following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, Wonder Woman 1984, The Truman Show, Congo, King Kong, Star Trek Wrath of Kong, Kong, Skull Island, Godzilla, Godzilla, King of Monsters, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Guardians of the Galaxy, AI, Artificial Intelligence, The Daily Show, Deadpool 2, The Avengers, and Hunt for the Wilder People. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie every week and then try to determine which one is cooler. Robots, dinosaurs, robot dinosaurs, bat snakes, photodons, and other creatures from the Hollow Earth. I am your host, Luigi, and with me as always are my multiple co-hosts. This week I have two returning co-hosts. And listeners, you will recognize them from past episodes of the show. So with me today to talk about an epic movie that I couldn't handle on my own, I couldn't handle with just one co-host, I have returning double champion Conrado Falco and returning Mechagodzilla enthusiast PJ Mancuso. Welcome, Conrado and PJ. Hey, Lou. Good to be here. Why don't one of you tell the listeners what gigantic movie we're going to be talking about today on robots versus dinosaurs versus robot dinosaurs. Mr. Mancuso, please do the honors. Okay. Today we'll be talking about Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla versus Kong, not Khan from Star Trek to Kong, as in (laughs) King Kong. (laughs) That would be a much shorter fight, Godzilla versus Kong. That is correct. The uh, 2021 Godzilla vs. Kong, directed by Adam Weingard, written by Terry Rossio and Michael Darty, uh, starring Millie Bobby Brown, Alexander Skarsgård, Rebecca Hall, Godzilla, King Kong, and a cu- really cute kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, this movie, okay, this movie is huge. This movie, I was so excited for it when it when it when I heard it was coming out. Uh, I was not the biggest Godzilla fan yet. I would say, like, a month ago, I was a much bigger Kong fan than a Godzilla fan. PJ, you made me watch um, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Is that right? That's correct. And it was fantastic. Uh, uh, I, I think that in the past four weeks, having seen a handful of Godzilla films, I went back and rewatched the 2014 Gareth Edwards Godzilla I have a much deeper appreciation for it now than I did when I first saw it. I think I've become a G fan. Is that the right term, PJ? I know that you said you brought some cool terminology onto the show today. Is that the right term? Yeah, so G fan, Godzilla fan. There's also a magazine by that name as well uh, that was dedicated solely to information about Godzilla. Mm. So G fan is a fitting term. Awesome. I kind of want to set the stage for this movie. This is Godzilla versus Kong. And so I brought you both on because, in my opinion, one of you is the biggest Godzilla fan that I know. The other one is the biggest <laughs> King Kong fan that I know. And I am the biggest Mechagodzilla fan that I know. <laughs> so I think we're each going to be representing one of the giants in this battle. Um, so, uh, Conrado, why don't we start with you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your history, your history with the podcast itself, uh, the past episodes that listeners can go back and check out if they want to hear more of you, but also... Your 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 general feelings on Kong as a franchise, as a as a monkey, 
as whatever Kong is to you. <laughs> as a monkey, I love that. Okay, so first of all, I'm very happy to be back, especially for this mega-sized episode. I have been here before talking about, number one, one of the best movies of all time, AI, Artificial Intelligence, which um, is an incredible movie. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. You should listen to the episode, which is a great conversation, if I do say so myself. And then I came back to talk about Peter Jackson's King Kong from 2005, the 2005 version. Um, now, Lou has, rep- has described me as a King Kong fan, which I don't know. Actually, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know how true that is. I am very interested in King Kong, but I don't always love King Kong. Um, Case in point, Kong Skull Island, I really didn't like. Mm. That being said, yes, so I was coming into this Godzilla vs. Kong very much on Godzilla's side. But after watching it, and especially after re-watching it, because I watched it again last a couple days ago and i only watched the good parts so only the fights i skipped all of the human garbage that nobody wants anything to do with and looking just at the fights i feel like i am ready to represent for kong i think i have a good argument for for kong being the mvp of this movie and a valuable fighter okay okay that's a hot take uh um PJ, why don't you talk a little bit about your history with Godzilla, your fandom of Godzilla, and maybe uh, maybe how how you predicted this fight was going to go before you saw the movie. Sure. Um, so uh, Godzilla has been in my life for as long as I can remember. It's the first piece of Japanese media I ever consumed that lead me down to the wee rabbit hole that I live in today. Um, <laughs> Godzilla is wonderful because he represents so many different things in the history of Japanese cinema and Japanese media uh, as a representation and an allegory for nuclear horror, as a savior and defender against aliens from out of this world, um, and also as a force of nature to be reckoned with that you cannot reason with. Um it, it, it all kind of dates back to one year as a gift. I got a animatronic uh, Godzilla toy that you could put a little bit of uh, vegetable oil in, and when he opened up his mouth, smoke would come out. And Ooh. it was great because I could just have him fight my G.I. Joes all the time, and uh, Godzilla would win because he's Godzilla. Um, going to, but, would uh, your, but would your G.I. Joes escape and you'd see their parachute deploy in the last moments? Uh, no, no. We played for keeps. Uh, O-rings were broken, rubber bands snapped, and uh, Godzilla reigned supreme. In fact, he actually had logs as his supports on his feet, so it kind of predicted that 91 movie we watched. <laughs> uh, the one where, where Godzilla is an eco-terrorist and he knocks over trees in order to kill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> has... Um, has- um, sorry, yeah. since PJ is talking about this long history of Godzilla fandom, has either of you seen the Hanna-Barbera TV cartoon of Godzilla, which is my first introduction to Godzilla as a kid, no. which is like this like family is going around in a boat and Godzilla helps them to, I don't know, win fights. And there's also <laughs> Godzilla's son, Godzuki. Godzuki. Okay. That's where Godzuki it's, uh, comes probably, from? Yeah. 
probably would, a terrible show, but oh, it, uh, it's it's awful. <laughs> but the theme song's great. It's like Godzilla, Godzilla, and Katsuki, and then it's the like little dinosaur doing his thing. Budgets went into song production so much more than they went into any animation <laughs> production at that time. I mean, like. Even, like, the Marvel cartoons at the time were just animated comic panels with, like, an arm moving. But they had theme songs that were just wonderful. Right. Mm. It's cheaper to write a song than to animate a TV show. <laughs> Godzilla and King Kong have both been a lot of things. There, there's been, like, the serious movies that, that were their origins that they came from. And then a lot of, a lot of remakes of those that... that were a mix of paying homage to them and also parodying them and also a lot of people trying to do drastically different things or put their own spin on it uh, with mixed degrees of success. And I'd say like some of them are really, really, really hit the mark. Some, Some of these properties, some of the Kong properties, like in my opinion, Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong hits the bullseye. Um, yeah, I'm. <laughs> that is not the most popular opinion. One of our one of our co-hosts today doesn't necessarily agree with it, but but like, there's also some Godzilla stuff that like is some of it's not great. Like the one, the '99 one with uh, that we talked briefly about with Hank Azaria. Oh yeah, and uh, Matthew Broderick, the Matthew Broderick, Roland Emmerich um, one, yeah. Not the best, but there have been some amazing, amazing Godzilla properties. Like, I was able to see the Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, um, the original Mecha, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, which I think is a masterpiece. And uh, and I haven't checked this one out yet, but maybe, PJ, you can talk a little bit about it. Shin Godzilla. I keep hearing that's, the, that's one of the best ones. Absolutely. I can absolutely talk about Shin Godzilla. Um, that is by far... Hands down, one of the best Godzilla movies that has come out ever. Um, it's directed by Hideki Anno, who many people would know from Neo Genesis Evangelion. Um, he took a property that he loved and it shows, but he also did a wonderful job of critiquing the bureaucracy of the Japanese government and its response to the Fukushima incident. Um, going back to using Godzilla as that allegory of nuclear horror. Um, And it it was also the first Japanese production to fully use uh, a CGI Godzilla. Um, This Godzilla looks different from almost any before it. Uh, There are wonderful, um, you know, homages to previous films that, that Anno references in this, but also like just has a wonderful job of just explaining everything that's going on in it and, and just hitting all the fun beats. Yeah. This, um, this Godzilla thick, this Godzilla yeah. is an absolute unit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he goes through some goofy looking phases in the movie. Oh, um, that is so good though. Like he looks, he looks crazy. He looks gnarly. I love like it. He's, he's googly eyed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, the movie, it, it hits so many right things. And, and I know there, there, there are people who will critique it for its pace because of the plot. That's also critiquing the Japanese government. And I think it's a little inside baseball sometimes for audiences, but it's, to me, it's hands down. It's in my top five. I, I, awesome. I don't want. I hesitate to say number one, but it's 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 maybe like a number two. 
Conrado, uh, do you are there any are there any Kong properties besides the Peter Jackson one that you and I talked about that stand out to you that like that that cast Kong in a good light and, and set him up uh, to be to be the hero for today's film? Um, interesting question. I feel like from the beginning Kong has been a somewhat sympathetic figure in because even from the first movie from 1933. As much damage as he causes and as much as he is a menace, he is always presented as kind of a tragic figure who, you know, it was beauty that killed the beast and all that nonsense. So I'm not surprised (laughs) that they, for this movie, they decided kind of to tell it from his perspective. And he's kind of our point of view character as long as, you know, as far as monsters are concerned. And, and mm-hmm. Godzilla seems more like the menace. And then, of course, at the end, it's like an even bigger menace. Yeah. When we start going into the actual battles, which as I think you've described as the best parts of the movie, uh, <laughs> I, Kong, what's interesting to me, and I noticed this, uh, especially on rewatching it, Kong is always on the back foot. Kong starts out. Uh, in chains and he's and he's sucker punched and like he's really caught off guard and has to has to recover he's not in his element in that first battle and later on he's kind of he he's got a little bit he's more on his kind of terrain and he's got buildings to swing from and everything but he's always always at a disadvantage or starting off the fight with like somebody sneak attacking him so he has to recover from that we don't see kong in like getting like an entrance and like coming in ready to go. Mm-hmm. He's always got a, he's always kind of, kind of surprised like, Oh, we're fighting now. And yeah. And kind of has to collect himself in each battle. Totally. 100%. And he's always the underdog and as it should be because mm-hmm. Godzilla is clearly more powerful. He's a better, much more, uh, you know, dangerous beast and a better fighter and a bigger monster. And he can shoot, you know, nuclear reactor, rays from his mouth so obviously he would beat kong in a heartbeat and that was my biggest issue with the movie going in i was like kong has no chance godzilla is so much stronger he cannot so i think they do a pretty good job of making an even fight or an exciting fight given those circumstances Mm. and also of acknowledging the fact that godzilla would murder kong in five seconds because yeah i feel like he never really beats godzilla at any point godzilla always pummels him yeah, it's kind of a paper beats rock, rock rock beats paper, but then like paper combined with scissors beats rock <laughs> at some point. Like the um so I want to I want to go into the opening sequence of the film just a little bit. We're not going to go we're not going to go beat by beat through the whole film, but I've asked each of you to sort of prepare your top 3 moments of the film you want to talk about. Um I just want to get into the opening the, just the opening sequence so we can set a few things up. And also, I want to uh, surprise, posit a theory that King Kong in this movie is all six of the original Avengers. So, um, <laughs> all right, I think that's going to make more sense later on. <laughs> so, our opening sequence: we start with just this gorgeous shot of the sun. There's some, uh, I guess we would call these creatures skull dactyls because you add skull. To every animal that's on Skull Island, so these are some per- pterodactyl. So it's called a skull monkey. I think so. A skull gorilla. Skull gorilla. Skull gorilla. Yeah, I'm sure it's in there somewhere. These Skrilla. are definitely skull dactyls, though. And we've got a sleepy Kong, 
and <laughs> he's just sleeping by a waterfall. Uh, this this old timey music is playing, and he washes himself off. And then this uh, little girl. I think I'm sorry, Lou. Gia. You mm. skipped a very important par- part, which is when oh, Kong gets up, he scratches his butt, which is one of the best parts of the movie. You're right. That is imperative to the character building of of Kong because it humanizes him. Yeah. Right. Who doesn't get up yeah, and immediately scratch their butt every morning? Yeah. This this big giant. You know, he's maybe big. But he's just like us. (laughs) He scratches his butt just like us. Um, Then this little girl uh, who we find out is Gia, she is not scared as Kong is is shaking the ground, approaching her. And I really want to point out this one moment that happens. She's presenting this doll that she made to him that looks like him. And he quite literally bows low to the ground to get a closer look at it. And then picks up a tree, strips off the branches, and throws it in the dome. Later on in the movie, a scientist lady, whose name I didn't write down, but you know who I'm talking about, scientist lady. Uh, that's um, um, <laughs> Rebecca makes Hall, a bold right? Statement. Rebecca Hall is the actress, yeah. yeah. Uh, makes this bold statement, Kong bows to no one. We've already seen that that's untrue, though. Kong bows to tiny little cute girls <laughs> who make uh, representations of him in doll form. All right. Thoughts, debates. Does Kong? Am I? Am I? Am I? Am I wrong in my assessment that Kong has already uh, broken his one his one rule, like Batman? Well, to be fair, this is not his rule. This is just scientist lady's rule, and she <laughs> is clearly kind of not. I mean, she seems to be the Kong whisperer, but to be honest, she leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't even notice that Gia has taught Kong full sign language. <laughs> like until yeah, like halfway into the movie, I I think maybe her her um, representations or speaking for Kong might be uh, her own uh, projections onto Kong. Mm, that's true. Yeah, we don't really get like a Amy Good Monkey moment, right? Like from Congo um, <laughs> with the, <laughs> the, the the seminal classic Congo. Does that uh, have any robots in it? Can movie, you do that Kong movie? In the title. No, but it has Kong in the name. Uh, you know what? Maybe they, maybe one of the scientists is a paleontologist. We can find a reason to, to cover Kong. <laughs> <though>. um, <laughs> they found it's a reason written, to cast I have the reason. Hudson and, t- and uh, what, what's up? It's written by Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton wrote Jurassic Park. There it is. That's a good enough. Um, so this is also my first bit of evidence that uh, Kong is all six of the Avengers. This is his Hawkeye mo- moment because we see how accurate he is with projectiles. <laughs> All I have to say about that. When he um, protests wait, his uh, portrayal in the Truman Show. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What is what is the projectile that he throws a? Uh, 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 he he strips all the branches off of a tree yeah. and he uses it as a spear uh, and he throws it into the dome. Right. Okay. But, it, but accuracy. Don't I don't know about one, accuracy yeah. because the dome is all That's, around. He can throw a tree in any direction and hit the dome. <laughs> Fair point, Conrado, which is why I had this in my back pocket. Later on, when Kong is fighting Godzilla on the aircraft carriers, he picks up entire F-14 jets like throwing stars and tosses them. At least one of them hits Godzilla right in the spines. Okay, now we're talking. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hawkeye. One of the six. <laughs> crossing that off my list. We'll, we'll get to the other five. But um, where should we? where should we go next? Do either of you have, like... One, is one of your top three moments early on in the movie at all? Um, 
I have I didn't know what uh, PJ was gonna choose, so I just have a lot of moments that I love scattered throughout. So maybe we can go like, okay, let's be honest. We don't want to talk about any of the human stuff, right? We just want to focus on the fights. Sure, I do want to mention Ricky Baker, aka Firefist, a little bit. <laughs> and Bernie, I, Bernie, Bernie was fun, but every actually, other human character sucked. Which one's Bernie? Yeah. Bernie is the podcaster. Oh, okay. All right, so I have maybe an unpopular opinion. I have no idea what any of those characters were doing. Like, that whole plotline with the podcaster (laughs) and the kids, it's like, it's totally irrelevant to the movie. Nothing happens there. The the movie doesn't know what they're doing, but but at least Bernie was fun. I've got a a bit of contention with a lot of that plot, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Don't hold Um, back. No, okay, so this was something I really noticed on the second watch, that this conspiracy plot really grates on me. Okay. Um, because it feels, first of all, it feels a little too real um, as to what's going on right now. Oh, right. In the, in, in the sense of a kernel potential of truth. In this case, Bernie throws so much spaghetti at the wall that he was bound to hit something. And... I think if his focus had been maybe more about just this idea that, you know, this company is doing something that's potentially messing with the balance of nature with Titans and Godzilla, that would have been a focused, maybe more followable story. But, you know, he also bathes in bleach and he needs it in bulk and he doesn't drink tap water because he thinks it's, you know, because it's fluoridated and he thinks that that mind controls people. And... He makes his own hand sanitizer and yells at people about eating GMOs. And, like, honestly, I really hate him. Um, <laughs> and, like, I would, I almost felt for him, but, like, it's it, the, the big problem is, is that there's two characters here that are deep in grief it's, it's mm. Bernie and it's uh, Millie Bobby Millie Brown's Bobby Brown. character, because both of them have lost somebody recently. Mm hmm. But we really don't know, like, is is Bernie's wife tied to a kaiju event or is, you know, like, that where's the connection here? It seems to be implied, here? but you're right. They never call it out specifically. It's very tossed off. When that scene came came up, I was like, what? Now he gets a, ba- the, a tragic backstory for no reason. The Chekhov's whiskey yeah. scene. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they just stumble through the plot and they basically become one of the plots from Stranger Things season three, but just mm-hmm. substituting the character from Stranger Things for that role. Like instead of Lucas, Dustin, Erica, Erica, Robin, and Steve going underground to a Soviet installation, we have Bernie and the two other characters f- end up in an elevator that goes down 33 floors below the surface and then sent to Hong Kong on a hyperloop. <laughs> I think you're into something, PJ. I think this is definitely an anti-vaxxer movie and God, Mechagodzilla <laughs> is the vaccine who's, that's coming for us. Godzilla represents the virus because he's natural and he is mm. the you know hero of the story. Mm-hmm. So what's is Mechagodzilla the syringe? Yeah, Mechagodzilla <laughs> is the syringe t- through which the vaccine will come to kill us all. So it's right. MNRA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're really, we're really onto something here. People are definitely going to, uh, like Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown, listen to this podcast episode while staring at their phone the entire time. Did, it, <laughs> did that stand out to anybody else? That that's, 
Do you either, maybe I'm wrong, do either of you listen to podcasts that way? No. <laughs> there were no visual elements. There was no, okay, not the thing to focus on. Uh, I'm just going to say, I don't think, I agree with you, uh, that the characters, Ber- Bernie is fun to watch because Brian Tyree Henry is putting in a fun performance for me. But I agree, it's all he's all over the place. It, I, yeah. the, the character is very inconsistent. I don't think Adam Weingard is really concerned with trying to flesh out the, the, the grief of these two characters or treat it with any sort of dr- dramatic um, compassion. Adam Weingard is, is, are either of you familiar with him as a director? Uh, he made a, a great segment in the movie VHS, and he made Your Next, which is really, really fantastic. Uh, and also the, the Blair Witch remake, which people have mixed opinions on, but I, I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but are, are either of you familiar with this director? I know of him, no. but this is his, the first movie of his that I've watched. Same. Oh, actually, no. Oh. Did he do the movie called The Guest? He sure did. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, and that's pretty fun. That's with the Downton Abbey guy, but he's like a Jason Bourne or something. Yes. His Adam Weingard's wheelhouse is horror, but he makes it fun. And it's it works on both levels where it's visceral, it's scary, it's it's disturbing, but it's also really fun. Mm. And I I think he was an interesting choice for this movie. And frankly, I agree with all of your criticisms about Bernie and the uselessness of these characters, the incredible convenience with which they end up in a super train to Hong Kong and don't die. Um, and end up stopping Mechagodzilla. But like, but I'm going to give, I'm going to give him a pass because I think he did everything else so well that it makes up for it. And I, I really think ultimately Adam Weingard was a great choice for this, for this movie. I will agree that the, the fun parts, the, the action parts are all good. I just think that we have come to the point as a society where we don't need the humans in the Godzilla vs. Kong movie anymore. <laughs> Next time you do one, just don't do any humans. We have the technology. We can do a movie that's all just CGI creatures fighting. What, what, mm. I don't need to see Rebecca Hall. Like, Rebecca Hall? Alexander Skarsgård? You know, like, what? I, I would say that that would be more of a case of all sizzle and no steak with my meal, though, Conrado. Like, it, after a while, I, I, I find, as, as a Godzilla fan, if, if the movie gets too, and any movie, actually, honestly, that's all action set piece, I eventually start to, like, tune out a bit, and I, I kind of need a frame of reference. I need to know what's what are the stakes, because if it's monster versus monster, I know the stakes. Monster's going to fight monster. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, what, what, what's the broader implications of this monster fight? Fair enough. I, I, okay, let me, let me change my stance a little bit. It doesn't have to be fight <laughs> from start to finish. But, but the setup can be just the monsters. Like, give me Kong scratching his butt, going about his day. Godzilla <laughs> down in the ocean, like, doing his thing. You know, what's his life like? Maybe he goes to the office and he's really stressed because his boss is on top of, of, of his case, you know, and he needs to let off steam, so he goes to fight Kong. I don't know. Literally. I think I think at the end of this podcast, you both have been on twice, so you know my bonus questions. But I think when we get there, we're going to solve the human problem in this movie. Oh, in in, in, now in you're a talking. very simple cast of master uh, uh, stroke of uh, what am I trying to say? In a very simple <laughs> stroke of master casting. Uh-huh. Um, so we'll definitely dig that uh, dig into that later. If but I will make one argument: if we didn't have human characters in this movie, we wouldn't get my absolute favorite out of context line, 
which is, if you buy a live fish, I'll give you his address. Oh. <laughs> I wrote that down myself. Yeah, that, that was funny. That was amazing. <laughs> Ronnie Chang killed it. In the, in the 10, 15 seconds that he was in this movie, he was brilliant. Ronnie Chang, if you're not familiar, is uh, if you watch The Daily Show, um, you see he's, he's on a lot of segments on The Daily Show. I think he was in Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, he has such a fun bit part in this movie, but it's, it is one of the very few and far between good human moments. Um, the rest of them are these characters like, okay, I love Damien Bashir. I love Walter Simmons and I think he's doing a whole Maxwell Lord thing with his apex wanting to approve humanity. And, and he's always got like a glass of whiskey and he's doing, he, he does a super villain speech that Bernie has a kind of fun line. Like, Oh, I want, I really wanted to hear the end of that speech. Um, but it's mostly like beyond him, there's his daughter who is terrible, (laughs) uh, and exists only to get, get comeuppance later on. And then who else? Like who, who's even worth talking? Dr. Lady, um, the, the writer guy. Who's the writer guy? Alexander Skarsgård, who I wouldn't, who I actually didn't recognize because he wasn't ripped and shirtless drinking Mm -hmm. somebody's blood. But that's just my bias on True Blood. Oh, I thought you were talking about Big Little Lies. <laughs> I'll give also. You know what? I'll also give it to the little girl. Uh, oh, little girl is good. The actress is Kaylee Hoddle. Um, she plays Gia. Fantastic. She's the best human character, character, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. I like her. I like the you know the guy from the Chinese store that you mentioned, Ronnie Ronnie Yan. You said Ronnie Chang. Ronnie Chang. Yeah. So he's also good. Um. Are there any other humans in this movie? I, I agree with Lou on our our big um, our big bad villain human villain that is uh, I'm trying to remember the character's name now. Um, Walter Simmons. Walter Simmons. Uh, you know, uh, I love crazy ideas. That's how I made my money. Um, <laughs> yep. He's 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 just wonderful at being a a Godzilla villain, even like a, a Godzilla mm. human villain. Uh, Lou saw Godzilla versus King Ghidorah and you know you saw the villains in there they're very like oh this is my big plan and now I've executed it and now you are at my whims <laughs> um, this is how we the auspicious win that's that's one of this dude's lines yes exactly and that you tells know you everything it, about him he, he throws money at a way to become stronger than a titan and comes super close to it um but in the end is defeated by the power of love. Yeah. <laughs> Kaiju love. I can never be against a movie having a millionaire be the villain. I'm just generally <laughs> anti-millionaire, so I, I'm always okay with that. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a pretty easy uh, uh, way to frame them and paint them. And accurate. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, because ultimately it is like he's, and, and the problems in this movie largely exist because of this guy, uh, Godzilla would have just kept taking a nap. I've noticed that that's a, that's a big thing with these kaiju. They really like to nap and it takes a, it takes a lot to, to get them to wake up. And once they do, they're kind of grumpy and their goal is to finish whatever it is they got to do <laughs> so they can go back to taking a nap. And Very if not for Walter Simmons, totally. Uh, this movie starts out with Kong, you know, waking up from a nap and like, but if, so if Walter Simmons hadn't, hadn't been breeding skull crawlers and building a mecha Godzilla and doing all this stuff, none of, none of this would have happened. Godzilla wouldn't have shown up. Kong and Godzilla wouldn't have had any issue with one, one another. 
and life would have gone on in this incredible, weird techno future. Yeah, um, totally. The proletariat just wants to chill, but the, you know, the millionaire capitalists, they want to wake us up to go to work and we don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> so why don't we get to, uh, however, the, can either of you explain how the movie gets, um, gets us to this image, which is a beautiful image of Kong in chains on a boat with the sunset in the background, and, or I guess the sunrise in the background. Um, what I thought was interesting about this imagery is there are planes flying past him at one point, and the planes are protecting him. He kind of, like, does the, the very classic Kong, like, churns his head to track them as they fly by him. But, it, but I noticed in, in, this, in this rewatch, it's kind of interesting because, like, we see that when he's, when he's climbing the top of the Empire State Building and these planes are coming to attack him, but in this case, these planes are actually flying by him to defend him from a bigger threat. Hmm. Yeah. What was the question? How did he end up in the, on how, that boat? How did we get? Yeah. How did we get here? How did we get to this point? Because oh, it's a boy. fun scene. But when Lots but tranquilizers. watching the movie twice, when it starts, I'm like, but yeah, but how did all the parts add up to this? Right. I couldn't tell you even if I wanted to. Like, so it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be something like. Um, let me get this straight. So millionaire dude is, is playing with nature, classic mi- evil mm-hmm. millionaire move. And that nice upgrade humanity. Right. And he woke up Godzilla mm-hmm. and Godzilla is angry going around destroying stuff. So the humanity is kind of like, we should do something about it. And how does Kong play into this? Kong is a kaiju that Godzilla didn't know about, and Godzilla in the last movie, King of Monsters, eliminated all of the other kaiju, Uh because that's his job. So he went back to sleep, he went back to napping, and then they, they, the people that knew about Kong, and also knew about Godzilla, somehow decided, uh, well, what we gotta do is just keep Kong hidden, and, and then Godzilla won't get pissed off that he exists. So now that he's come back, they think that it's because of Kong, because he knows that Kong exists. So they want to get right. Kong to the hollow earth to, like, save Kong, I guess. Yeah, they're definitely exploiting Kong. for. Yes, yeah. that's what it is. They, they think Kong is going to lead them to this hollow earth that Skarsgård wrote a book about. Um, which, uh, PJ, I have a question for you. Do you feel like his character was a bit of a callback to Kylo Ren from uh, uh, Mecha um, uh, versus King Ghidorah? <laughs> Godzilla versus King Ghidorah? So um, authors are fun to use in Godzilla because you can have them write a book and then it'd be like, oh, well, this is why we're here kind of thing. And um, we even have that with uh, Kong Skull Island, one of the main characters in that, writes a dissertation about Hollow Earth. And uh, Hollow Earth as a pseudoscience plays big into this monster verse, um, which I'm it's a, actually a breath of fresh air. It's, it's something new. It's something that hasn't been done before for a uh, Godzilla property or a Kong property. Um, hmm. I, I would say that there are some analogies, analogies, and a blah, 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 <laughs> blah um, uh, between those two characters. I, I would say, though, that in this case, we do see that this man is more down on his luck. He's, you know, in the basement across from what was it, the pottery class or, mm-hmm. um, and you know, he, he, he's not really regarded highly in, uh, his academic field where, yeah, which, this is you like know, the I'll, university of theoretical science, I think it's called. 
oh wow, and he's not even highly regarded in that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he, you know, and, and like class, theoretical potter, pottery. <laughs> yes, and and like like all uh, all people on the fringe, he's exploited by a man with money, um, mm. and he, you know, the he gets used for his knowledge of this. Uh, his and again, another character whose grief is manipulated. His brother was killed in a previous attempt to enter Hollow Earth. Mm. Um, again, one of those things where it's like. We've proved that this exists. So why is this man regarded with uh, <laughs> apathy and disdain for his field of science when we've kind of been like, no, no, that's a real thing in this world, hmm. <laughs> right? Hmm. Um, so for some reason they get Kong on a boat because they are like, yes. we gotta take, <laughs> we gotta go to find this Hollow Earth place, which is in the Arctic or something. There's like a Tasman Sea. Yeah, there's like a passage to it somewhere. And they put him on a really big aircraft carrier and Mm -hmm. they kind of tranquilize him, right? Uh, In order to transport him. But obviously, as they're going, because Godzilla is drawn to fight with all the kaijus that exist, Godzilla comes to attack the boat, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's the first fight. and the fact that they, they, they just leave him chained up during this is like there's some debate about it in the dialogue, but none of it. Not, nobody's making any good points because he's going to he, he's going to get killed. The boat is going to flip over like we see this coming. We see this. Everything that's about to happen is obviously about to happen. And the people on the boat are like, well, there's really nothing we can do. We can't, right. We're just going to sit here and let it happen. Yeah, well, I, we're all going to die anyway, so the monkey might as well go with us. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, man, it, like I said earlier, it starts this fight off with Kong at a major disadvantage. It's a miracle that he even survives this fight, let alone gets a few good, like, a few good right hooks in. Yeah, it's a total win for Godzilla, that fight. And it's a great fight, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't understand the physics of how Kong is able to flip the boat and then go back on the boat and and do all the stuff that he does. But I don't care because Godzilla is coming at him and they're fighting and the effects are incredible. The character animation is great. They feel not just like monsters, they feel like characters. And I think it was accurate and just for Godzilla to totally win that fight in a cakewalk. Well, he's in, he's in his element, right, PJ? A hundred percent. You know, when Godzilla is not stomping on lands, he's living in the ocean. Um, some would postulate that maybe it's because he uh, needs a cool down for his uh, nuclear powered heart. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's one theory there. Uh, his but what he is what? Uh, well, I, maybe not nuclear powered heart, but nuclear powered body. But but the way you so it. It, it, it's a slight variation from my theory, but who else has a nuclear-powered heart? Oh, boy. In popular fiction. Oh, boy. Are you talking about Iron Man? I sure am. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's all right. Um, <laughs> this is actually uh, a, a favorite fight of mine, actually, of, of in terms of, like, ingenuity and, and, and mm. change of location. Uh, this is the first really good water battle between the like two creatures in a kaiju film that I've seen. Um, it, it could be done better elsewhere, but this is the best I've ever seen because normally it's just two guys in a suit with a blue filter and or a tub in which they're acting in with their suits and pushing around model boats. 
um, which they look great for their own reason, but this looks fabulous. It's so mm. energetic. Kong does what he can to improvise, to fight Godzilla, um, using a anchor and a chain as like a mm. flail. Um, you know, and, and at the end, Kong is saved through his allies with the humans by like powering down and, and getting one over on Godzilla, basically being like, hey, hey, we give up. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're king. Go away. Um, <laughs> He's playing possum. Because Godzilla's reasonable. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also, like, the, the fun thing is, is that we are set up now. It's, I, I'd like to say this is, like, good wrestling booking here. Um, Godzilla is booked as a monster heel, and Kong mm. is booked as the underdog babyface. And, you know, in that first encounter, the babyface only gets saved by his allies if he has any. And the the heel comes out looking stronger than ever. Right. And Godzilla leaves knowing that he won that fight. He's like, okay, I made my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. It sets us up for the for the dynamic, which is the the general dynamic between the two of them. That Godzilla is the king of the monsters. He's the bigger fighter, and Kong is a scrappy underdog. And we'll see if he can go up to him. You know. And the exactly. the it it's it's definitely definitely designed that way deliberately for for the audience because naturally if if we're going to identify with one of these two giant monsters the one that is more human like is the one that we're going to naturally gravitate towards and have more empathy for it can make more more dynamic facial expressions we can sort of read when it's in pain when it's scared when it you know is angry um, Godzilla is not to take anything away from how they've done Godzilla and animated Godzilla. Uh, Godzilla is very expressive as well, but it's a giant lizard. It's a whole species removed from us. You know, it's not like, it's not like our, our genetic cousin. Um, it's scaly. It has claws. It's all of these things that make it non-human in so many ways. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the physics here because we, <laughs> this, this fight is awesome. If there were, if there were a video game where you could like pick different kaiju to battle each other this would be one of the coolest like stages that you could pick to battle on because it's it's so inventive it's so cool and there's like like stage hazards with the boats themselves flipping over and they have to like jump from one to the other um one major problem is if you turn a gigantic (laughs) steel warship upside down I don't know if either of you know this, but it's going to crack in half yep. from the sheer force of its own weight, because the entire reasons fo- bo- the entire reason boats don't fall apart is that they're suspended in water, <laughs> and the water like the water they're displacing is pushing up against them. And like for example, uh, do you know how a torpedo works? This is kind of a cool little fact that I like to share with people. No, please um, tell us. So in movies, you see a torpedo slamming up like a missile, you know, like fired from a plane and it, and it hits the side of something and makes a big explosion. So that all happens underwater. But what the torpedo's goal is, is actually to displace a bunch of water underneath the hull to create basically a pocket of air where the boat, the ship is no longer supported in one area. And then all of the weight is no longer evenly distributed across the entire hull, but concentrated on this one point, And it usually just buckles in on itself and creates a giant rupture, sometimes can split entirely in half if you hit the right part of the hull. Interesting. So, yeah. So just imagine a giant 
Uh, how much does how much do either of these guys weigh? Like they're about a hundred feet tall, right? I couldn't even tell you. Like uh, to begin to postulate on the weight of a Godzilla or a King Kong, uh, more than those ships, honestly, yeah. I think uh, because they're contain mass. Like you know, it's not like Godzilla's hollow inside, or yeah. or Kong for that matter. And just um, a giant foot coming down in the middle of a ship. If it's not yeah. going to sink the ship, it's going to break it in half for oh, sure. Yeah, I love I love that the ships stay intact long yes. enough for them to have like battles on them, and and like uh, you know some Godzilla even uses the ships as weapons <laughs> at some point. Um, it's very oh, that's cool right, looking, yes. But man, it does re- it does require a little bit of like okay, I gotta I gotta stop thinking about physics here. For yeah, but you're setting me up for one of my favorite moments in the movie, which also involves mm. physics, which is after the ships uh, after they're attacked and they are like, oh boy, our ships are ruined. We can't take Kong to the Hollow Earth thing. They are like, what are we gonna do now? And they come up with a brilliant plan of getting a bunch of helicopters and just <laughs> flying Kong down to <laughs> the Arctic or whatever it is they're going. Which, that visual, I thought was great. Uh-huh. And it's a callback to the original King Kong versus Godzilla movie. Oh, really? They, what happens there? Yeah, he is airlifted into his first fight with Godzilla. And they just ceremoniously, unceremoniously, just to drop him from the sky and he slides down a mountain and rolls to a stop. So that's even better that it's a, it's a callback <laughs> and it's, and it's so great. You just see this like giant monkey being <laughs> flown by a bunch of helicopters, which is absolutely ridiculous, but it looks cool. Mm-hmm. It does look cool. And it's very like when the fight is starting, I was questioning, like, how how is anybody going to survive this? This is God, Godzilla's in the middle of the water. He's, like, simultaneously a sea snake, a giant alligator, a, a huge kraken. A sh- like, he's so many things. He's just this big sea monster that is that can tear steel ships in half. It doesn't seem like God, King Kong has any chance of getting out of it. Um, and, and I think, Conrado, you mentioned this earlier, like, really the end of the fight is Godzilla letting everybody live. Godzilla basically deciding, like, all right, I'll kill you all another day. <laughs> Just won't be today. I'm I'm a little bit tuckered out. I need to take another nap. Yeah. So round one yeah. definitely goes to Godzilla. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. Yeah, there's no question. Um, and what happens then? We just go to the uh, Hollow Earth thing, right? Like reverse Yeah, in the really cool Universal Studios ride vehicles, the, the heaves. Exactly. The Earth aerial vehicles. <laughs> I wrote that down. I said, this is the next King Kong ride. I think we all, <laughs> I think we all took that note. I took it at the moment where they come out of the reverse world and they go almost into Kong's mouth. And it was like, oh, I, I will, mm. I'm looking forward to riding this ride at Universal Studios. Yeah. And, and that moment it. of um, Maxwell Lord's daughter, uh, whatever her name is, like, when when sh- they almost get away and then you like it, you just see it stop and get pulled back, I feel like something like that would be on the ride, except you would escape and not get yeah. crushed like they did. Um, right. Speaking of like near escapes, I do have a question, PJ. During just and this this is my last note on the Battle of the Tasman Sea. There was a particular pilot that they decided to linger on for a moment to show that, like, he got in a plane, he barely took off while Kong was was making the whole aircraft carrier bend. Um, and I wrote, I like rewound it so I could write down the name of this pilot. 
It was Hirota, H-I-R-O-T-A. Is that a reference to a past Godzilla movie or anything like that? It might be. I'm going to double check. It could be one of the pilots from um, the second Godzilla movie, Godzilla Raids Again. Um, Because it definitely seemed like this guy either might become a character in this movie later on, or it's some kind of like clever, clever, subtle reference to Godzilla's past. It's a little like Easter egg. Because I could see, like, Adam Weingard wanting to, to put things like that into the movie. So, actually, he's one of the pilots of, God, of Mechagodzilla in the 2002 movie Godzilla Against Mechagodzilla. There it is. There it is. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool. I think that's a cool little detail. That is. I, did, I missed that one, Lou. Hmm. Um, all right. So, yeah, we're in the Hollow Earth. Uh, Kong is swinging on stalactites and then he gets surprised by the the switch in gravity um he fights some flying bat snakes which are pretty cool uh i don't know did, did you guys have did these have like an official name whatever these creatures were uh, i'm not 100 percent on the names of some of these monsters yet i'm still catching up on some of the monsterverse knowledge mm. but i love them they looked really cool um the way they kind of like slivered in the air, the frills that they had and everything like. Yeah, they look like something out of the monster manual for Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, they do. (laughs) It might. There's one monster it could be, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. That was a snake creature in in Godzilla. Um, But like just they were very colorful. They did they did the thing where this giant thing doesn't show up on their radar and just suddenly attacks them. Um, but you know, I mean, who knows how radar works in hollow earth. It could just (laughs) not operate at all. Um, Mm. (laughs) so hollow earth is like, the idea is that in the center of the earth, there's like another earth that is like hollow. And inside there's like another world where physics don't (laughs) apply and it's very trippy. And, and also King Kong has like a lair where he has a throne waiting for him and also an ax. Sure. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and I mean, this is not the first uh, <laughs> missing civilization or location that we even see in these series of films. In the previous entry, Godzilla: King of the Monsters, uh, Godzilla apparently hangs out in Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And oh, cool! It, that's where he's uh, sleeping when uh, Doctor Serizawa has to detonate the nuclear weapon to wake him up. Okay, so to counteract mm. Lou's Avengers theory, I'm going to theorize that Godzilla is all of the members of the Justice League because he hangs out <laughs> in, a, in Atlantis, so that means that he's Aquaman. And also, okay, um, um, okay I'm going to work on the rest. He has nuclear... Is Iberg less <laughs> nuclear? Wait, oh, I was going to give you a rain. Fortress of Solitude. Fortress I was of give you Solitude, that one. that's good. Also, he throws out rays from his mouth, and Superman throws out rays from his eyes, so that's kind of related. Um, he's a great detective, so that's another one. Mm-hmm. He's not very fast. He, no. I think he's fast Underwater. for his size. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. One thing uh, that that Kong does a lot of, in addition to like swinging and climbing, is barrel rolls. He, he dodges a lot of things. Um, which we see Black Widow doing a lot. She's very acrobatic when she fights. She does a lot of signature like barrel rolls out of danger or running away from explosions, and we get a lot of that. So I'm crossing number two of six off of my list. 
<laughs> what else do we see in this? Earth? I mean, he's nuclear There's, powered like the Hulk, so I think you can you can check that one off. Too. The Hulk, I don't see it. The Hulk, you don't know? No, 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 Godzilla. Oh, that's oh, right. God, you're you're, Godzilla, you're proposing sure. that Kong is is all of the. Uh, yeah, the my monsters. theory is that Kong is all six of the of the yeah. Avengers. The Hulk is going to be a hard one for me to convince you guys of. That one's I don't have anything for that, but yeah. maybe I'll come up with something at some point. The Hulk is the outlier, so maybe that's why he's not part of that that self-contained Avengers group that Kong is. And maybe it is that it's Godzilla because, you know, getting the Hulk to, to move with you and do what you need him to do is really tough. Yeah, take some, take some prodding, some, some uh, creative prodding. It's getting late, um, buddy. So there's also a couple of cool things that we see, like these giant crab creatures that we saw in, in Peter Jackson's Kong, or similar to the creatures from Peter Jackson's Kong, like giant bug things. Uh, yeah. One of them gets eaten by what looks to me like a photodon, which, um, Conrado, I don't know if you remember, but it was like that giant iguana creature that almost eats mm. uh, yeah. Naomi Watts. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and so, like, I think there's some cool... At, at any In the Skull Island movie, do they talk about, like... Skull Island being a surface extension of the Hollow Earth because that's kind of that's kind of what it seemed like to me. A lot yeah, of similar they, creatures. They mention that like the skull crawlers come from beneath the Earth. Okay. Um, they don't explicitly say that it's a portal to Hollow Earth in there because if it was, then they could have just went through Skull Island instead of going to the Antarctic. But, or Hong Kong, apparently. Or Hong Kong, it's yeah. <laughs> well, Kong. well, no, that, that, that's Godzilla making a portal to uh, Hollow okay. Earth. Okay. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for mentioning that. That is my second uh, on the list of my favorite moments in the movie, which is when Godzilla, mm. for reasons that I don't fully understand but support, beams a, a <laughs> force thingy. He's, he does his ray thing, and he, like, digs a hole to the middle of the earth from Hong Kong, um, which is great. How long it is did, do you think it great. took King Kong to get up from the center of the earth to, to Hong, Hong Kong? <laughs> Apparently seconds. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even track that. I didn't even think about but he had to climb out of there, right? He had to yeah. climb out of the hole that Godzilla well, made. Because of the gravity, he just fell into it. Because gravity um, goes in okay. all directions from the center of the Earth, apparently. So he, I saw I, when I watched it, I had the same question: Is he going to like climb out of this hole? And then it's not. He just like jumps into it and he falls out. So he fall. He comes out. They're both already pissed at each other, I guess, because <laughs> of their previous fight. And they fight. And during this fight, uh, King Kong has already. He found his his birthright down in the Hollow Earth. He found his his axe that has. It's made from one of the spines of a Godzilla creature, yeah. uh, which it's really cool looking on its own. But then it lights up later on, like Stormbreaker. So I'm crossing Thor off of my list. That's half of the Avengers. Um, he also at one point gets this like giant water tower disc that he uses as a shield. Obviously, Captain America. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't think I was going to do it when I announced this, but I, I'm almost I'm two thirds of the way there. <laughs> um, but they have this really cool fight, and then my boy shows up. Mechagodzilla Wait. is awoken. 
Wait a second. Yeah, I'm skipping over a lot. You're skipping you could, over. Yeah. What, what do you? Yeah. What, what do we need to? Wait. Are you trying to make a point? Are you trying to finish your Avengers scavenger hunt or? No, I will. <laughs> I've got two left. Um, okay. So, but I just yeah, I kind of just wanted to set up where where we're at in Hong Kong. If I skipped over anything important, no, I just I just wanted back. to talk about the fight that they have before Mechagodzilla yeah. shows up. Which, definitely, definitely. So, they fight in Hong Kong. They basically do like a million 9-11s to Hong Kong. They totally destroy the city and people die all over. Mm-hmm. I bet the Chinese yeah. government is really happy about that. And uh, <laughs> so, okay, so they have the fight. And, okay, this is my big kind of issue with this. is that Godzilla and Kong fight. It's very uh, destructive. It's really big. Mm-hmm. And then... Godzilla, I mean, Kong kind of knocks Godzilla out for a moment, and then we cut to Alexander Skarsgård saying, oh, I guess round two goes to Kong, which is not true. No. Not at all. No. Because first round, Kong surrendered. And the second, Mm -hmm. Godzilla's knocked out for like maybe five minutes, and then he gets up and continues to fight. It's not (laughs) the end of a round. Not only does he yeah, continue Godzilla to fight... Godzilla doesn't need to be resuscitated by a heave. No, no, he doesn't have to do anything. He just gets up, keeps fighting, and what's more, takes down Kong almost immediately after getting up. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's when he starts actually getting Kong on the on the run with his like atomic breath, right? And, yeah. And he, and he knocks him out of the air with one of his shots, like hits him in the shoulder. Kong made the mistake of making Godzilla bleed his own blood, and mm. nobody makes him bleed his own blood. Because up, up until then, Kong's doing pretty well. He's got him in a bunch of headlocks. He's trying to do his signature Kong move of, like, separating the prying the jaws open. Um, and Godzilla gets out of it. There's a really cool moment where Godzilla, he's, he, it looks like he's about to end Godzilla. And Godzilla uses his breath just as, like, a force to blast himself backwards and get out of it. Uh, so they're, use, they're both using everything that they've got in this fight. And I appreciate that I can feel the stakes of it at every moment. Like every big move they're using against each other seems like, oh, this could be the killing blow. Like this could end the other mm-hmm. one. Um, but I do I do also have a, a constant nagging sense that like it still doesn't feel like even that much of a close fight because Godzilla has so much more equipment he's just got so much more in his corner yeah even with kong having that magic axe godzilla just the fact that he can beam out radioactive material you always feel like kong's a disadvantage he's always you Mm -hmm. i always felt like kong you're gonna move or you're gonna die any second right whereas for kong to kill godzilla it would take a lot yeah they definitely lean heavy on you know but kong has the speed and maneuverability advantage He's able to navigate the buildings better than Godzilla is because he can go around them, whereas Godzilla mm-hmm. goes through them. Um, He's you know, used and to so climbing. exactly. So they play that up a lot to to give you that sense of the plucky underdog might have a chance to take out the big monster because of the speed advantage. But once the big monster gets a hold of you, it's kind of over, and. You know, it, 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 they, he basically kills Kong or beats him into uh, a, a stupor that in which he, his heart is failing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he uses the, the massive foot stomp. That's uh, yeah. one of Godzilla's big moves, right? He doesn't, he doesn't do a, a coup de grace or anything like that, though. He just acknowledges after they roar at one another um, that, you know, uh, Kong, Kong lost. And Godzilla's like, I don't have time for this. 
Right. <laughs> you don't want to give Godzilla range. You don't want to let him start using his, his ranged weapons. Yeah. Um, right. So I'm glad that we're all in agreement that this is definitely Godzilla just beat Kong. That's the... And I, mm-hmm. I'm actually happy about that in terms of the movie. Because I was also afraid that the movie was going to do one of those no clear winner sort of thing of the fight, mm-hmm. you know? So I was happy that Godzilla versus Kong delivered on telling us who would win in a fight between Godzilla and Kong. And the the answer, I think, is definitive. Except... Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. In the original Godzilla vs. King Kong, King Kong won. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a very different fight. How, how um, does he win? But he, they both tumble into the water, and he's the only one who comes up. Oh. So they declare him the winner. Godzilla can swim? <laughs> Underwater? I mean, nobody seems to acknowledge that. But Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that fight has... There's a lot of holes in that fight. I think that we should set up a special commission to figure out what happened there. We have to yeah. examine the original uh, Godzilla versus King Kong and determine uh, which King Kong movie has the worst portrayal of Pacific Islanders possible. <laughs> well, mm, that too. That's going to be a it's tough pr- one. It's going to be. A- it's pretty bad in, in the original Godzilla versus King Kong. It's. Oof. It's pretty bad in all so, Kong movies. So. It is. Yes. So we, we talked about some of the differences between these two. Kong's got the maneuverability. He can climb. Godzilla's got the atomic breath, the tail, claws. Mm. Uh, I think he has more mass. I think he is just heavier, which is why when he stomps on his chest, that's a devastating move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've talked about like what each of them is bringing to the table. Let me ask you guys a couple of questions. Do either of your contenders, and, and, and Conrado, I acknowledge that you're not strongly repping Kong here, but do either of your contenders have the following pink atomic breath that overpowers the natural uh, atomic breath of whatever co- blue that comes out of Godzilla? Okay. No? Before, Nobody has pink before breath? Before you go into mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. Can, can someone explain to me why Damien Bashir wants to create Mechagodzilla? Like, how is this beneficial to him? Um, yes, it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> it, it's all in the company name and, and how he delivers it at the end, that human, humanity must become the apex predator once again. Mm. And apex is the name of the company, and apex is what this man intends to be. And then after he's done dealing with the Titans, he'll probably just use Mechagodzilla to rule over Earth. So he wants to monetize <laughs> kaiju. He wants to like create his own kaiju that he can control, who, that's better than all of the natural ones, so yes. that he can be like the protector of the world and uh, also the ruler of the world by default. And then we yes, possibly have I, a kaiju arms race in the process. Right. Yeah, and I don't, I don't <laughs> think monetize is the right word. I think ultimately he's going, like, w- once there's a mecha Godzilla and it eliminates the kaiju, there won't be a need for an economy or money or of any kind. It'll just be, uh, you know, uh, Walter Simmons bucks or something. <laughs> right. Subservience to Apex. Right. Yeah. He, like, okay, so mecha Godzilla is both the vaccine and cryptocurrency is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the Hollow Earth is like the flat Earth. Um, <laughs> the Hollow Earth is but, uh, but on the inside and concave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so so yes, he so yeah, of course, and he has uh, one of the recovered skulls of King Ghidorah that he's able to. He realized that their 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 necks were so long that they used 
tele- telepathy to communicate. And so he was able to build a telekinetic link between his pilot and the Mecha Godzilla. Wait, I I, missed, I don't understand why you still have questions, Conrad. I missed that detail. <laughs> I missed the detail about the necks being so long that they use tele- telepathy. I think that's really cool. Yeah. It was a line that Bernie yeah. delivered, which is probably why you ignored yeah, it. Yeah, I was too dead. Yeah, is that is that <laughs> canon, my phone. Uh, PJ? PJ, is that canon? Say that again. That, uh, is that canon that Ghidorah? Um, that's the reason that they're. Uh, telepathic. I remember in the movie that we watched, they were emp- the Dorats were were yeah. described as empathic, like Mantis from the Guardians of the Galaxy. King Ghidorah is what King Ghidorah wants to be for that particular movie. <laughs> um, so you know, if it needs to be that King Ghidorah is tele- telepathic, that's how it's two, three long heads communicate with one another. It'll be that for this movie. King Ghidorah is a hero in one movie, even so. Mm. Like it, 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 you know, it flips it on its edge at times. Um, that's from the 2001 Godzilla movie. I forget the full title of that one, where Godzilla is the bad guy, is a basically a demon of revenge, mm. um, and he fights. Uh, that's the second appearance of King Caesar, um, as well as I believe Mothra is in that movie and King Ghidorah. Nice. Uh, Conrado, I did write this down. Um, this is what Bernie says. They hardwired its DNA, self-generating neural pathways capable of intuitive learning. It's a living supercomputer. How so I think that should that? answer all of your questions about Mechagodzilla. Sure. It also answers my question of why I didn't know this in the first place. <laughs> I, I do have uh, a, a highlight now that I've put into my notes here, mm-hmm. Lou. Um, so I wrote Mechagodzilla with four exclamation points. Yes. Um, I'm biased. It's the right amount. I love Mechagodzilla. I'll always love Mechagodzilla. And this version of Mechagodzilla actually pays homage to earlier incarnations of it. Um, in the Heisei era that we watched uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah from, they reverse engineer the mecha head of King Ghidorah to create Mechagodzilla to fight Godzilla with. Hmm. Um in the Millennium Era, Mechagodzilla, known as Kiryu, is created around the bones of the original Godzilla, and mm. it eventually, spoiler alert, goes haywire because even in death, the original bones of Godzilla are more powerful than human technology. Nice. Um, and so I thought they did a nice kind of marrying of those ideas to make this Mechagodzilla. We have the reverse engineering of a kaiju, to mm-hmm. then put the bones, uh, apparently they, uh, the other bone head was in the body of this Mechagodzilla from what Bernie seemed to know somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he just pulled up blueprints out of nowhere and figured it out, but uh, <laughs> he delivered it with such um, authority that I'm, I'm inclined to believe him. But yeah. He, yeah, it's just fun. And I, I would like to point out at this point now that the, the pilot of Mechagodzilla is Ray Sarazawa. Mm-hmm. That's all they give you for him. They don't mention that his dad was was Ken Watanabe from the previous two movies. What? They, yeah. They, they, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's his son. You should just figure that out. But, like, what's his motivations? The hell if I know. Yeah, um, that's, that's that man that really, that really does weird things to, the, like, the legacy of Ken Watanabe's character now. We, we do get a get in the robot line in this movie, too, which which uh, yeah, is typical of anime. Yeah. Man, yeah, that no, is a, Ray, that's a revelation. I did not know yeah. that was his son. 
I picked it up right away as soon as he said Serizawa. I was like, oh, yeah, so Ken Watanabe's character was Dr. Serizawa in the first two films. And we're just going to throw that out there, no explanation given why his son has decided that he needs to kill the creature that his father <laughs> revived to save Earth. Um, <laughs> maybe he just maybe he just really wanted to pilot that thing because would you pass up that opportunity? <laughs> no. I mean, knowing knowing full well that the monster could uh, suddenly send a psychic surge through my body and kill me mm-hmm. um, would just be worth it just for one uh, one shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that when when they wake up this mecha godzilla piloted by a dude who gets killed and then it's piloted by monster zero uh it is it is i think at this point it would if kong didn't get revived by the humans and didn't come back in and and help out it would have easily handled godzilla this thing would have just ripped godzilla apart uh, in in again in good wrestling booking, um, we have the original bad guy suddenly get overpowered by a bigger bad guy, and in this case, in traditional heel tactics, he's taking advantage of Godzilla, who has now just finished a battle with another creature. So you know right. he's already got him on the back foot. He's fully powered from. The, the 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 source this power source that they were able to steal from the Hollow Earth uh, mm-hmm. and replicate Godzilla in, did this to Kong minutes. though he had no trouble attacking somebody that was chained up yeah no again you know when the, when the heel gets turned on by another heel he becomes a face and mm. he solidifies oh, okay. that by teaming up with the face that he was previously beating up mm. right and that's what happens here they have to uh, revive Kong to take down the the common enemy and i think that's really my the the bulk of my argument for kong is uh i mean there are different moments to it but he's we have seen him fight throughout the movie he's a scrappy fighter he won't give up he is good at what he does yes godzilla is a clearly the more powerful and superior fighter but kong brings a lot of ingenuity to the fight he brings the mm kind of the unexpected that is what is needed to take on an enemy like Mechagodzilla. Even Mm. though Godzilla is more powerful, I would argue that all of the best, most inventive action moments, all the best action beats in the movie come uh, courtesy of Kong. He's the one who takes Mm. the, the planes, like you said, Lou, and throws them like ninja stars. And he's the one who jumps to do his signature opening mouth move to Mechagodzilla to relocate the beam so that he doesn't destroy Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who takes the axe at the end to that finally takes down Mechagodzilla. Also, mm-hmm. I just learned, thanks to you, that he's technically a Skullrilla, which makes him Italian <laughs> like the three of us. So I like him for that. <laughs> Uh, he's also Tony Stark in this moment because in the first Avengers movie, there is a part where uh, Tony's, Tony is um, battling with Thor. Thor shoots lightning at him and it powers up his armor and he's able to discharge, use that and discharge it. Um, so that's kind of like Godzilla powering up uh, Kong's axe with his atomic power. Mm-hmm. And then he's, and then when he's, because previously when he's swinging that axe at Mechagodzilla, 
it's it's sort of pushing him away. It's sort of hitting him, getting him out of the way. Right. But now that it's powered up, it's actually slicing limbs off and doing some damage. Yeah. And we do get the uh, the requisite PG-13 representation of blood when uh, Mechagodzilla has oil shooting from it. Yes. Which also so represents cool. the symbol of unchecked capitalism. So I think this movie has mm. got pretty good politics. <laughs> Except maybe for destroying Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't get to, I didn't get to list all of Mechagodzilla's advantages, but because I, I guess ultimately in the end they uh, don't all work out for him because Kong cheated, but he has so he, this would be such a cool toy because he's got back and shoulder rockets, chest oh. rockets. He's got boosters that come out of everywhere. He has a thunder fist. Uh, crane claws. He's got a drill tail that we don't we don't get to see what he was about to do with that tail. Like there's this moment right yeah. leading up to where it's glowing and starts to spin, and we don't know if he's going to impale him or another laser is going to shoot out of that. But very, that's another cool weapon. Weapon he has. Yeah, very of course, menacing. Space that, I was titanium very body. Uh, when the tail mm. was came into play. That was a moment where I would say, like, that speaks to uh, Adam Weingard's horror roots. Like, that's a very... That's the kind of thing he likes to make you uncomfortable with, like, sharp thing getting really close mm-hmm. to your face or to your eye or something like that. Mm-hmm. Makes me squirm. Mm. But ultimately, two against one, Mechagodzilla got... got he, they got the better of him. Uh, they sucker punched him, they snuck up on him, and he falls. For now. Is Mechagodzilla basically King Ghidorah in, an, in a new body? Is that the idea? Mm-hmm. That was my takeaway, PJ. Yeah, so from what I, what I gathered after the energy surge happens and kills Rey, um, it's, it's basically the spirit of King Ghidorah uh, mm-hmm. taking over and piloting uh, Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla is but a vessel for the power of King Ghidorah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and in the previous movie, Godzilla beat King Ghidorah, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. King Ghidorah, though, is apparently not from this world, so we don't know what powers it holds. And, you know, even after death, it exists. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't destroy the skull. So no. I am hoping that we get to see more either Ghidorah itself or Mecha Ghidorah in oh, a future yeah. movie. I would, Mecha I Ghidorah. would definitely pay good money to see it. That'd be this cool. movie, I'm, I'm bummed out that I didn't get to see this movie in the theater. Oh, man. Yeah. Just got my second vaccination shot today. I'm not quite ready to go back to a movie theater until it's been a few weeks, but, um, but I don't think it's going to be playing a month from now, unfortunately. But yeah. man, this is the exact. This is the a movie that movie theaters are made for. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I was lucky to see um, the Gareth Edwards movie in the theater, and I was also mm. able to see Mon- uh, King of the Monsters in the theater. And those those movies were buoyed by that large action on a huge screen. Uh, I mean, I still think about that halo jump scene from the first uh, Godzilla film uh, mm-hmm. in the series, you know, and, and seeing that in the theater and having the, the, you know, the Dolby system with that music and everything and just being a part of it. You know, I, 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 I mean, I enjoyed the film on my couch, but it just didn't feel, it didn't feel right for a Godzilla film to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Um, I just want to mention the last thing on my list of things I loved, which is the moment where Kong gets up and he relocates his shoulder by bumping into a building. Well, lethal weapon style. Exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, you can't keep a good gorilla down. No. Um, uh, PJ, did we hit all of your top three for the movie? Do you have any yeah, notes um, left? Yeah, I, I got to talk about my favorite pseudoscience of Hollow Earth as well already. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I've hit my three bullet points. Uh, did you have any specific points, Lou? Um, we hit all my main specific points. I, like I said, I was able to compare Kong to five out of six of the Avengers. I just, I just really can't thread the needle on comparing Kong to the Hulk. There's just not much there. There's no similarities I can even think of. It's, it's just, it's just such a reach, but I almost, I almost went the full distance. Um, so five out of six, you know, Hmm. pretty good, pretty good. Is Ruffalo Italian? Maybe that's where it comes in. There it is. There it is. <laughs> no, obviously Kong Smash. So there, that's that's good enough. There you uh, go. <laughs> um, I I do kind of want to ask because I just went back and rewatched the Gareth Edwards uh, 2014 Godzilla, the one you were just talking about with that really cool Halo jump and and a lot of other really cool moments. I after watching this movie, I have a much deeper appreciation for. It. I'm glad I went back and rewatched it because my my memories of it weren't that fond. And I think I'm going to go back and rewatch King of Monsters again because it's kind of the same story. I remember seeing it in the theater and walking out almost immediately like it was like I walked out of the theater and Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones were standing there and flashy thing to me. And like by the time I got, you know, back to my apartment, I had forgotten the movie I just saw. Hmm. I heard that it was bad. That's why I haven't seen it. King of the Monsters. Hmm. It was all right. right. Um, You know, for me, it was a middle-of-the-road Godzilla film. But, you know, I think the thing that I've enjoyed most about these films is the budget that they get for Mm. special effects on monster battles. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of stuff that you dreamed about with your action figures as a kid and, and, you know, wanted to see. But the limitations of the technology of those films couldn't give you, but you know, they, they have their own character and their own style of those fights that are still just as fun. This is just, you know, eye candy action, fun explosions, especially, um, you know, I know like the Gareth Edwards film got a little bit of a bad, uh, rap because Godzilla doesn't show up in the film a lot. But that's that's a Godzilla movie for the most part. You know, Godzilla is a lead in when you finally see him. It's a big deal. And the more you get over the course of the film, it pays off at the end where the rest of the film at the end is all about Godzilla. Um, There's some wonderful shots in that Gareth Edwards films of, you know, just the the MUFOs and the, the, the mist on the bridge and. Godzilla coming out of the smoke with the lanterns hanging in front of his face and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. King of the Monsters, uh, you know, it's it's got, uh, you know, an eco-fascist plot. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Charles Dance doesn't really get to do much. And, you know, overall, the action was the thing that was good for that movie. The, the plot I could... I could throw to the ground really but you know mm-hmm. it wasn't it, it didn't i think that the issue it didn't have is it didn't hit that level of bat shit that 
the other films that you and I have talked about already where, you know, we have Time Traveler, mm-hmm. uh, World War II dinosaur um, plots. And, you know, at, at its at its heart, Godzilla does well with a, a, a plot that it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think in this case, they kind of hit the right path with that with like let's go to hollow earth and let's have a billionaire create a you know a mecha godzilla and mm-hmm. it be powered and, by the technology from the hollow earth and be controlled by the skulls of its former enemy um, and i would even i would even argue that like ricky baker and millie bobby brown and uh, uh podcaster dude like that that ragtag group going in spilling the whiskey in order to stop mecha godzilla like all of that, in a way, you can make an argument, feeds into the, that's part of the batshit insane convenience of the plot, like, you know, bringing, bringing us this one moment that, that it culminates in that, that ha- actually churns the tide of the fight a little bit. Um, it's not a strong argument. I'm not going to die on that hill, but, um, but at least it had that. And the past, the Gareth Edwards one and the King of Monsters, Kind of just, I didn't, I wish it had something fun like that, even if it was stupid. Hmm. Yeah. I I would say, uh, and, and this leads into a, a terminology I'd like to introduce. Um, in, in Godzilla films in the past, and, and even specifically more Gamera films, um, there's the character that's referred to by the community as the Kenny, the Ken. Um, and it's the child character who is there solely to really appeal to the child audience, but are annoying as hell. Um, and you know, they, they do things that you're like, this is so grating. Why is this character here? And then in the end, they kind of do something to help out. Um, I would say watch Godzilla versus uh, Megalon for a really good example of that. You also get a robot, Jet Jaguar. Um, and, you know, in this case, I would say this group is just a big bunch of Kennys. Um, mm-hmm. they, they annoy the living shit out of me for the most part. <laughs> um, they, I, I initially got really upset when we had Kid Hacker uh <laughs> I can I can probably get into this billion dollar company's computer system, right. um, and then it's they thankfully invert that expectation where yeah. he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate. I pirate that movies online. Yeah, yes, I, 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 I'm, exactly. I'm smart, but I'm a high schooler. Like I really <laughs> appreciate that they undermine all of that. That was that I yeah. thought was clever. He did. He didn't Lex Murphy it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Unix system. Uh, <laughs> With with a very advanced graphics user interface, but we won't. We'll get into that on the Jurassic Park podcast one day. <laughs> um, I would love to hear both of your thoughts, Conrado. I kind of already know how you feel, but I'd love to discuss Skull Island a little bit, and because because that's the only other movie leading up to this, right? It's Skull Island and the two Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. So, so like, what? Do, how do we all feel about Skull Island? I have mixed feelings. It's a big thumbs down for me. I uh, remember being really bored in the movie theater when I saw it. Not a fan. I didn't get to see it until recently. Um, I, Lou had recommended I watch it, and I wanted to take a look at it before Godzilla vs. Kong came up. I really enjoyed the film. Um, it's a good take on a Moby Dick story. Uh, basically, uh, half the cast is MCU members. <laughs> right. Um, 
and it it does some fun things with the Kong mythos to give it a little bit of a change. Um, I think it has one of the best examples of like highly trained personnel going up against a kaiju and standing no chance. They didn't just look like they stood there and fired bazookas at it and got stomped Mm. on. Like they actively put up a fight and in the end there were just no chance. And that set up a good dynamic of like what we're going up against. Mm. Um, And, you know, it was, for me, it was a very fun movie. Um, but it does have obviously it's it's not a perfect film. Um, it, it it has its issues, and I though for the most part really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing for me there is that back then, especially, it seemed so clear to me that the reason why they were doing this movie was to lead up to Godzilla versus Kong, and that's why they were having this Kong who was so much bigger than King Kong would usually be and was trying to set him up as a big monster. And I didn't like that. But having seen Godzilla vs. Kong now, I feel like what happens is that you go, uh, Kong works best as kind of the underdog that's going against Godzilla and this kind of like semi-tragic figure who you empathize with. So having him as the big monster in the King Kong Skull Island, I feel like doesn't work as well. Also, he doesn't have... It's not like King Kong has a bunch of monsters that he can fight, like Godzilla has, you know? Mm. So he has to fight, like, these monsters that are, like, whatever. Yeah, he fights a giant he, squid. He fights yeah. a water buffalo, right? <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't ice skate in this one, though. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I really don't like the Peter Jackson film. Um, why not? What, do you, what don't you like about it? Because other than Skull Island, it's our most recent on yeah. film appearance of Kong. Um, I'll, so I saw that movie in the theater when it came out. And I, I think at this point, you know, a lot of us had been conditioned that a three-hour film could be enjoyable um, after, after the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Okay. And I think... I kind of started to get worn down on that by like the three endings that Return of the King had. Mm. Um, by the time things were getting going in that movie, it just, it was too long and everybody in the theater seemed to feel that way too. Uh, mm. I, I tell this story that when uh, Kong was skating on the ice with uh, Naomi Watts, and then the artillery shell hit the ice, the theater burst into cheers um, (laughs) because they just wanted something to happen in the movie and end (laughs) at that point. Um, It it just, it really dragged on me. I've only, and to this day, I've seen it once Hmm. and it left such a bad taste in my mouth that I actually haven't watched a Peter Jackson film since. Okay, well, he hasn't made a good one since. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but like, I haven't. E- I, I, I've, I've even gone back and protest on the Lord of the Rings films, despite me knowing they're good films. I just like, I just mm. go, it's going to be five hours, and I don't have time for that anymore. Fair enough. Okay. Um, I will say that I also thought that it was really long and boring the first time that I watched it, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. But watching it for the podcast with Lou, even though I also agree that I'm not fully on board with the movie i find it very fascinating and very interesting Hmm. in a lot of ways that i didn't appreciate as much as a kid 
and also in ways that I didn't appreciate until talking with Lou about it and coming up with this whole meta theory of what Peter Jackson feels about making movies. And, mm. I, and I did enjoy your, your conversation on that. It almost made me go back to watch it. But then I just I couldn't I don't have the time to dedicate to that right now. And I'm unemployed. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's it's a big time commitment. It's like it's like trying to watch the Snyder Cut all in one shot. It's like, you know, it's like trying to watch Lawrence of Arabia all in one shot, frankly. Uh, and that's a very highly revered artistic sweeping epic movie. But even that, like, it's just asking for asking your audience for that much of their time. It's hard to keep them engaged for that long. It's really, especially without an actual intermission or, yeah. you know, some some kind of something that that maybe like a maybe what it what what it was suffering from was a lack of pacing or like an issue with the pacing. Because this movie, Godzilla vs Kong, was a cool hour fifty three. I don't yeah. think it ever felt like I, I never found myself checking the time. Oh my gosh, how much is left until they get to another fight? Like I always felt entertained, and it—I feel like it moved along at a smooth enough clip and didn't overstay its welcome. I and, yeah. and I th- oh, go ahead, Conrado. Sorry, I was just gonna say I agree with that. Even though I did not like the human stuff, it went by quick enough that I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like bored or anything. And and that's what I would say. My issue at the end of the day is with with Peter Jackson's Kong is that it does it does it it, it hangs on things that maybe don't pay off at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are some fun things in there. Like again, maybe it's a bias that I'm not a big Jack Black fan. Um, hmm. But like, and at the end of the day, like for me, the length I think only becomes an issue when it's noticeable. Yeah. I, you know, I, I go and see Kurosawa films in the theater and don't have a problem with that, but they also have an intermission. So, you mm. know, it, you know, the Seven Samurai has an intermission. Ron has an intermission. Um, but, you know, the King Kong doesn't have an intermission. And, you know, at the end, you're like, well, I got to go to the bathroom. So you better wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> true. But the effects well, were great. Like, don't get like that. The, the movie looked amazing. Uh, I will never get your murder maggot scene out of my brain. You mm. you mentioned it to me twice, and I I thought about it for two days straight. Um, it it really upset me. <laughs> even then, I, as soon as I saw the giant crab creatures in the Hollow Earth section of this movie, it immediately I immediately got the the I got I tensed up because it reminded me so much of that Peter Jackson yeah. bug pit scene like that will always stay in my nightmares for as long as I live. Um, I personally, I, 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 I saw, I saw Skull Island in the, in the theater and it was a movie where I was like, I really just want to see this in the theater. Cause I probably won't watch it if, if I don't, if I don't like, if it doesn't come out, uh, if it comes out later and I missed it, um, I might just not watch it, but I, I found myself really enjoying it. I thought the, I, I really thought the movie theater presentation of it was great. The music cues of the seventies really fit, set, set this really cool tone. And the fact that they were flying in on these, these old helicopters and it, you know, had this Vietnam movie feel for a while. They didn't really do anything interesting with that though. Like it was all of this heart of darkness parallel yes. or, uh, yeah. Uh, what was, what's Apocalypse the book? Now. Um, Apocalypse, the movie that it's based on. Yeah. Apocalypse now parallels. And, it just doesn't do anything interesting with that. It just evokes the imagery of it. Mm. And ultimately, 
fell pretty flat. I thought some of the creatures were really cool, like the giant tree spiders, uh, the huge ants. The I thought Kong eating a giant squid was really cool, but but ultimately, yeah, I'm I'm very glad I saw it in, in the theater, and I haven't watched it since because I can't really bring myself to to watch it again. I I actually just remembered in describing it that John C. Riley is an entire character in the movie. Like that, I I forgot completely about until I was talking about it just now. <laughs> it's it's just yeah, it's like okay. I guess my, the point I'm driving towards ultimately is that all, out of all of the MonsterVerse films that have led up to this movie, I think this is the best one. I think this is the payoff, and all of those were worth it to get here. But this is this is either the pinnacle of it, or it's setting up a really exciting future for the MonsterVerse. Do either of you feel like it's going to go more in one direction than the other? I hope that it goes more in this direction. I really hope that it goes in the direction of, like... They don't have to be that long. We don't need that much human stuff. More monsters, more silly fighting and cool fighting. And not so much like, you know, seriousness. Um, But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, I think I'll enjoy myself. I'll get real ripped before I go and watch it. Yeah. And really just sort of chill out in, in that experience. And like... I mean, I think we already know that there's apparently talks that the next film is going to be Son of Kong. I read that, um, Son of I Kong. I hope they yeah. ignore the original movie completely uh, <laughs> because it's not good. Um, <laughs> What's God, and, what did you say Godzilla's kid is Godzuki? Is Kong's son Kongzuki? <laughs> it's, uh, it's Kong 2, uh, the Kong second. Two. Um, Kong the second. Uh, it's Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, Godzilla actually has a couple of kids out there, uh, oh, but that's a whole other story for a, another episode. Well, Godzilla's <laughs> a mom in the night in the nineteen nineties one. Yeah, ninety eight iguana uh, that's actually a mom and it's laying eggs and the, yeah, that movie is real stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, as you, that's know, like the least stupid thing about that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you both know. I like to ask my guests um, at the end of a movie to rank the the representation of the robots and dinosaurs that we mm. saw on screen. Mm. So mm-hmm. I am giving a plus one to robots because obviously Mechagodzilla rules. I want I want I want the officials to to judge whether he had a fair fight. I don't think he did, and I <laughs> I demand a rematch. But Mechagodzilla rules. Robots get a plus one. Uh, I think Godzilla's cool in this movie, and I'm giving Godzilla a plus one. I'm also going to give gorillas a plus one in this movie. <laughs> so um, I'd like each of you, uh, either of you can start first, but I want you to give me your plus one, neutral, or minus one for robots, dinosaurs, and giant gorillas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've been After, yeah. I've been repping Kong, so I'm definitely going to give plus one to gorillas. I think he does a great job. He's an invaluable fighter in this fight. I will also give a plus one to dinosaurs. I think Godzilla uh, kicks ass in the movie and he asserts himself as the king of the monsters. I am going to go with minus one for robots. I think that the whole Mechagodzilla thing with this plan by the millionaire didn't go the way he wanted. Mechagodzilla ultimately is a representation of everything that's evil in this world and he gets taken down. So... 
Uh, yeah, minus for me. PJ. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Gorillas also get a plus one. Um, Kong is well represented in this. Uh, Kong is a thinking creature, a uh, communicative creature, uh, understands sign language, and is, you know, for the most part, inquisitive and fun. And Godzilla gets a plus one. Godzilla wasn't out for any malice per se. He was Mm -hmm. just showing the world that he's still king of the monsters. Mm -hmm. Um, And humanity is the real monster. And uh, robots. So Mechagodzilla automatically gets like a plus two from me because it's Mechagodzilla because I'm biased. But because of the evil billionaire connotations behind Mechagodzilla, uh, it averages out to just a one. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. That's a pretty, pretty good score. The only one that really took a hit here was, was robots. Robots got a minus one on this one. So we're going to see how that, how that affects the totals, but dinosaurs are doing pretty good since I've started covering, uh, Godzilla movies. Cause there's been a, dis- a distinct lack of dinosaur movie coverage on robots versus dinosaurs. So, um, I'm glad that I was able to take this month to talk about some Kong movies, some Godzilla movies, and a Godzilla versus Kong movie. Before I let you both go, I want to ask my two bonus questions. So why don't we start with, if we were to recast this movie with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito filling in for any of the roles, or if we just added them in as new characters, how would that change the movie? What is your casting? Anybody can start. Mm-hmm. I think my pitch is that we recast, we take out all of the humans and we only mm-hmm. have Danny DeVito and Whoopi Goldberg. Danny DeVito as the evil millionaire, Whoopi Goldberg as Dr. Lady. That's all you need. No more. Okay. I, I propose a similar uh, recasting. However, it's more specific to the uh, conspiracy plot I would much prefer uh, Danny DeVito in the Bernie role and Whoopi Goldberg in the Millie Bobby Brown role. Mm. Um, and and we, we really come together with these two characters and uh, they actually explore what grief is in this movie for them. I would also be in favor of doing both of what we suggested and just have them play dual roles. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Sellers in Godzilla. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I I love I love your y'all's casting. My 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 go to though is for this one. I want uh, Devito as Kong for sure. I want to see him swinging that axe. I want to see him like jumping from building to building, and I want it to be just exactly everything that they've done. Like I want them to basically leave the animation alone, but just like face swap, just do like a deep fake. Danny DeVito's face on Kong's body. Um, And then kind of a similar thing, but maybe just without, like, but just basically Whoopi Goldberg in a a suit behind a green screen, both as Godzilla and Mecha Godzilla. I want to see a Mecha Whoopi. So Whoopi versus Mecha Whoopi is what I want. I like that. I think we should just combine all three pitches and just make a a version of the suit that is just... Davida and Goldberg. <laughs> I never I knew I needed Mecha Whoopi in my life until this moment. But like, <laughs> I, it's the thing I want the most now. 
<laughs> Adam Weingart might go for it. Because like I said, he's more of a special effects director than like an actor's director. So if you tell him like, hey, the only two actors you got to work with are these two A-listers that will do all of the work themselves. You just got to you just got to put them in suits. <laughs> I think he'd go for it. I think we should call him up. All right. PJ Conrado, this is a section of the podcast that we call What's your snack. PJ, Conrado, what's your snack? What giant-sized monster snack or, you know, reasonably-sized uh, snack that did you eat during uh, watching Godzilla vs. Kong? Did either of you get to see this in the theater, or did you watch it on HBO Max? HBO Max. I, HBO Max for me. Um, mm, I, I pulled up to the TV with a big bag of popcorn, uh, finished that, and then... Uh, paused the movie and went and got more. Um, mm. It was it was definitely a popcorn flick uh, for me, and I didn't want to have anything else with it because anything else would distract from the action on the screen. Did you did you go crazy with like any popcorn flavors, or did you just went traditional? I just went traditional. Uh, you know, slightly salted. Uh, get it in my mouth. I want that popcorn. Nice. Mm. <laughs> nice. Um, so my snack, and I forgot the name of this thing. Maybe you'll know. All right, maybe you will know, Mr. Mancuso, since you know so much about Japanese stuff. I have a food bazaar in my neighborhood, and they sell these kind of like fish-shaped snacks that is like a, a, a fish kind of cookie, and inside is ice cream. And it's so good. And it's also got like bean paste in it. Do you know what that's I- called? I've had it. I don't know the name of it, actually. The last time I had it was from, like, a, a truck vendor yeah. in, um, like, uh, Koreatown. And Sounds about right. It, I, yeah, I had the one with, like, the red bean paste. Red in bean it, and paste. I, and I'm, a, I'm a sucker for red bean paste. I got the one that was uh, green tea ice cream flavored, Ooh. so that was really good. It was very kind of like yeah. a, you know, um, artisanal, like, uh, kind of aristocratic snack. I'm going to have to go raid the local food bazaar. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> they good. High, highbrow snack for a highbrow movie like Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a thinking man's movie. <laughs> Highest of brows. Um, I went for this was This is one of my favorite big action sci-fi movies that I've seen in a long time. Uh, I just I just loved it on so many levels and knowing that I was going to watch it for a second time and that I already loved it. Um, I just wanted to be excited and like have one of my favorite snacks with me. So I went with my my very favorite snack of Australian licorice. Mm. I found a new bodega in my neighborhood that sells them because uh, that was a, that was an issue for me a few months ago. I think I bought. I think I bought my local bodega completely out of their stock of Australian <laughs> licorice. And, and the next time I went in there and asked about it, they were like, we don't know what you're talking about. So I had to wow. find a new bodega. Wow. Um, I'm very happy to I hear that, though, because I want to get the, the, mm. the deeds on this bodega because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to get that Australian licorice. I've been trying to get it, but last time I asked you about it, you said they were so bad. It's so good. I, I, I'm a big fan of that. One clue I'll give you is that it's near the Astoria Dittmar stop. So if oh, you live okay. in if you live in Astoria, Queens, you know the last stop on the NW. Uh, it's right over by there. Daryl Lee, if you're listening, 
it's about time that you paid me for, for advertising for you, so get on that. Or send me some free samples. Um, <laughs> this was a, a blast to talk about. I'm really glad that I brought, brought both of you on today. Uh, this was an awesome, mega-sized episode of Robots vs. Dinosaurs, one of the most literal Robots vs. Dinosaurs movies that we've covered. <laughs> and I couldn't have brought two better co-hosts on to talk about it with me. So thank you again for coming on today. Any final thoughts from either of you before before we wrap up about Kong, about uh, Godzilla, about about the MonsterVerse, or about anything anything you want to talk about? Um, not really. This was a fun movie. It was great to be here. Love talking about it. Um, I just want to plug my shows. If you, if you guys want to listen to my podcast, if you haven't, I host a podcast called Foreign Invader, which now is sharing. Uh, space on the same feed between two shows, Foreign Invader, where we talk about uh, pop culture from different parts of the world other than America. Lou has been on the show. I'm sure PJ mm. will be on the show sometime soon. I would love to have him on. And I'd love to be there. The other show is a new show called Movie Marriage, in which me and my wife, uh, Sajda Wait, will talk about fun double features. Um, so that's coming mm. up soon. That's cool. I like that. I like that idea a lot. PJ? Uh, I have nothing to plug. Um, I just, I'm a Ronin and appear on random podcasts. Um, uh, I am excited to see what else can potentially come from this monster verse. Uh, I think we're off to a good start. We just had our Avengers of the monster verse and I hope that we go in a Avengers direction and not a, uh, justice league direction. Mm. Um, <laughs> Unless we we let Zack Snyder direct it and it's five hours long. That's the only way it'll be good. Yeah, the new Snyder cut. Is there there another monster that is not from the Godzilla movies that we would want to see incorporated into this? Are there any big monsters like that left other than Godzilla? What about the Pacific Rim monsters? Okay, that's not bad. I want to see Godzilla take on a Sharknado. Um, oh. Or uh, a shark topus. Uh, no. Um, oh, <laughs> I mean, I did send that trailer to uh, to the two of you of uh, Monster versus Ape Asylum's next production that's due yes. out to uh, yeah. capitalize. <laughs> um, right. uh, I, you know, it's a good question as to like what they can do next. I, I think they're now at the point where they can either create their own monster. Mm. or they're going to dip back into the well of what they have available to them. I don't know sort of, well, no, that's not true. Cause they created a monster for uh, Gareth Edwards movie. The, yeah, the uh, Mutos, Mutos, which again, I'm like rewatching it with a, a less critical eye. I really appreciated the designs of the Mutos a little, a little bit more. So yeah, they, 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 they took a fun design you know, the, the sort of long-legged, stocky creatures. And I think if I think they, they should, in my opinion, try and create something new for this next film so that we don't have any um, expectations going in, that we will be surprised, that we will have something shocking happen potentially. Mm-hmm. I think as, that could be fun. As far as I'm concerned, they can just, for the MonsterVerse, keep doing like mecha version. They could bring like a mecha Mothra Mecha Ghidorah, <laughs> Mecha Rodan. I'm I'm here for that. We're here for the Mecha. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I would like this, to see them oh, yeah. cross over with the Power Rangers, now that you're talking about mecha stuff. If, like, Ooh. Power Rangers fight Godzilla or something, that could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be rad, seeing five kaiju because that's kind of what pacific rim is it's like two different pilots they're in the same vehicle and they're piloting it together so right. like having five d- different voltron things attached together and fight a giant definitely awesome <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well i'm excited to see where it goes and what they do with it i just ho- i just hope it's something i hope it's something big and spectacular and fun and that's really all i'm asking for i'm not i don't have high expectations but but I think that that's easy enough to deliver, and, and maybe they'll keep Adam Weingart on, and they'll keep delivering. Um, uh, listeners, you can uh, hear more of this podcast by checking your podcast feed and listening to past episodes. We've covered uh, both WandaVision, every episode of WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, also, kind of like, kind of like uh, warships being displaced by Godzilla swimming. Uh, on uh, close to them on the surface of the water a few episodes that have recorded have gotten displaced by this uh godzilla month this godzilla kong month that i've been doing so coming down the line are some episodes uh that i'm going to be releasing with heart beeps the andy kaufman film (laughs) robot film along with um i am mother which is a really really cool film on netflix so if anybody wants to if listeners if you want to like watch those movies to prepare for upcoming episodes now is a good time to get those in. Uh, also, my sketch show, Our Bar, has our next show coming up. Let's see. This episode, this coming Wednesday. So if you're listening to this um, as soon as it releases, my next Our Bar show is this coming Wednesday. So if you're on Facebook, search for Our Bar. What's next? And that's all. I'm really bad at saying goodbye. So one of you say, say goodbye to the listeners, or both of you say goodbye to the listeners. Goodbye, listeners. Or should we say, Arrivederci? <laughs> you, to quote uh, Millie Bobby Brown's dad in the film, this podcast will fill your head with garbage. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That's where we're going to get. Godzilla! Godzilla! And Katsuki! Probably a UFO. Maybe you can tell your son about that someday, Major Spielberg. If you buy a live fish, I'll give you his address. Hot Goss with Trash Comedy is the podcast where we trade sweet, sweet facts like they're dirty little pieces of gossip. We're a New York-based comedy team, and we're joined each week with a funny, delightful friend. After each person shares their facts, we rate those facts from... Oh my god, that's not hot. That's as cold as the coldest ice you've ever seen. To, oh my god, that's so spicy. My mouth is gone. So if that made sense to you, then please join us on Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts.